Hello, I'm Rebecca Castellino, and this is Hopping the Fence, a podcast dedicated to talking to artists on the fringes of the Canadian art scene. Emily Reimer is an interdisciplinary artist based in Guelph, Ontario. Her work uses performance, drawing, and video to think about her relationship to herself and the people around her, often working in close collaboration with family members. Our conversation was recorded in Toronto on the traditional territories of the Haudenosaunee, Huron-Wendat, Anishinaabe, and Mississaugas of the New Credit First Nations. This episode of Hopping the Fence contains use of a dated and derogatory term for sex workers, as well as discussion of Catholic mythology. Hey, Emily. Hello. How are you, Rebecca? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Do you want to tell the listeners where you are right now? I am in Guelph, Ontario, in my bedroom. The window's open. There's a candle lit. Very, very charming and cozy in here. You, you painted a real picture right there. <laughs> <laughs> so your practice, I feel like, is pretty expansive. Um, so I'm not going to ask you to summarize all of it. But do you want to talk mm-hmm. a bit about your visual arts practice and, and what that looks like right now, just to give a sense for people? Yeah, sure. So I am, I don't know, I kind of work in everything right now. I'm doing a lot more like drawing and painting and digital drawings and like little animations. I I love to also work in performance and do little interventions and do videos and like work with all kinds of material. So when you mean get your hands on, like, things that are around the house, or are you going and, like, thinking about other people's practices, and, like, if your neighbor is making pottery, like, you start making pottery, how does that happen for you? Oh, it's totally, like, a neighbor is making pottery thing. Like, I'm I'm living with roommates right now, and one of my roommates is Abby from uh, Otherwise Studios. So her and I have been doing lots of, like, crafts around the house. Um, We made our Halloween costumes together. It's, like, super – you forget, like, how helpful it is to be around someone who is also a maker. Because not only can you pool your physical resources, but you can pool your, like, collective imaginations. And, like, we're sharing – not only are we sharing, like, measuring tapes and and – glue and paint but like also like advice and all that other I don't know all that other fun stuff that comes with like sharing studio spaces and stuff yeah do you find when you shared a studio space in Guelph like that's how your practice worked as well or this is something that's happened like after graduation I think it to an extent in Guelph I think like um in terms of like school when I was sharing a studio in school I loved everything about that. I like purposefully asked to be in a room where there were like always people passing through. I was in the room that's like connected to the kitchen. Same. So like anytime, any, I think we might've had the same studio. Oh yeah, we did. But like, yeah, I think 
anytime someone like wanted to walk to the kitchen, they had to like talk to me and I'd be like, do you have an appointment? (laughs) I literally Um, did the same thing. I was like, you have to visit me if you come make coffee. Yeah. And I think I work really well that way. It's like part of it's because I'm super insecure and I always want other people's advice and opinions back to like the idea of like doing anything I can get my hands on. I think like, I kind of like to sift through stuff and things like when I make art I'm like it's usually like reactionary like I'm making something about something else like I might come across something that I find super interesting and want to make something about that and so like in the same way that like those conversations with people like passing by also help me kind of sift through thoughts and ideas that way I don't know if that's like a totally complete sentence yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> I think that that's like the beauty of making in community. Um, and I think some people like turn to mm-hmm. theory to get new ideas and some people turn to like whatever TV or pop culture. But I think like turning to the people around you makes some like really authentic art that's reacting to, to your community and like everyone around you and what's going on. Yeah, totally. And you, yeah, I feel like you, I, you and I are similar in that way because you you have that book that you like kind of drew everyone in your class. I, okay. I did something similar, but like, I haven't even done anything with it yet, but I was like making everyone I knew give me photos of them when they were little and playing sports. I was just like, I need like a collection of everyone I know in their stupid little soccer portrait photos. I feel like there's something magical about those. I haven't even done. Yeah. I haven't done anything with them yet, but like, God. Stuff like that, like mining from my friend group is something I I love to mine from every everywhere, like pop culture and everything, but like specifically, I like to mooch off of people. <laughs> yeah. I think for me, it was like Diane Borsato was teaching our extended one, and she showed us this video of like her dad playing keep up with like a soccer ball that was shaped up. Oh, it's such a good one such so a good. good one and I have like a complicated relationship with my family so whenever I see other artists like working with their family just like melts my heart in this specific way so I think yeah working with people who are around you who aren't artists and are just like living their lives or, or maybe they are artists like just makes such rich work yeah I totally yeah I feel the exact same way and that's what I like that video of Diane's like totally I mean that's one of the projects that projects that she prompts Mm -hmm. is for people to make a video about their parents but that like triggered something in me it was like what can I pull out of you guys that like as people that are like non-artists but like really just want to be involved and like paint it paints this really beautiful portrait of like these two people that like care so much but have no idea about anything that's going on Do you want to talk a bit about the project that came out of Diane's prompt? Like, I never had that prompt, so I didn't know that that's how you came up with those videos. And I really, I really love those videos. I think that might have been, like, one of the first set of works that I saw by you. And I was like, this is sick. I think the first one that I made for that class was more of, like, just an experiment. I mean, my mom put on her wedding gown, and I mean, my dad put on, like, his wedding I don't think he still had his wedding suit. I think he just, like, put on a random tuxedo. It was just, like, a short little video 
And so it's just them doing like weird breathing exercises and then like posing next to each other. And this was like right around, I think their 27th wedding anniversary as well. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, like this really weird portrait that kind of like, for me, it makes me think about what their life was like before me. But then it's also, again, like this portrait there's two people who are doing something explicitly for me and who are doing this ridiculous thing because I asked them to. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of like this little family portrait almost. Yeah. Um, it becomes a performance for like you as the person like directing your parents also like as their child. That must've been really fun. <laughs> yeah. It was so fun. And then For my other videos that I did later that weren't like a direct response to that project, but Mm -hmm. I just like had so much fun working with them that I wanted to do more was the first one I did was I made my dad shave with me or teach me how to shave. And then the other one was I filmed them for like a really long time on like a Saturday morning when they were just chilling around the house. And then I like they just like were getting so like first it was kind of like oh haha you're making a video do 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 like let's do funny things on camera and then it got to the point where they were like okay please stop filming me <laughs> <laughs> and then I lip synced to that I like made this big audio splice of them telling me to stop filming them and then like so lip synced to it in like a crazy funky outfit that was like the outfit was like kind of like a it was just like a bunch of random stuff that I had around my studio, but it, I created like this persona that was like the every parent, I guess, oh or like God. the morning parent, like the gross <laughs> icky wearing a bathrobe kind yeah. of thing with a wig. Amazing. <laughs> and then after that project, is that when you started working with like Jonah for, cause I saw your show at Zavitz. Was it called wigs? It was called wig question mark. <laughs> yeah. That was, like, around, I think it was, yeah, after, yeah. So, was, after that, you started working with, like, Persona and getting dressed up and these kind of, I feel like, lip syncing and then drag is, like, this very, like, queer cultural thing and, like, pairing up with Jonah for that project just makes so much sense. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think, for us, like, I don't know, I guess dressing up is, like, a huge part of it and even, like, Drag is obviously really important to both of us, but it was almost like, it's also like almost kind of next to drag. Mm. Like for me, at least I know for Jonah, a lot of it's like solidified in drag. For me, it's almost like, and the way it relates back to my practice is like this art of like dressing up as a child and being like, it's, it's like, I'm going to dress up like mommy or I'm going to dress up like, it's kind of like, like a childhood thing maybe like or a, like, like a, a play thing versus like a performance like thing? a play just playing dress up I think is more where I kind of center it back to like my own interests mm-hmm. and when thinking about play like one of the works that I have from you is a basketball print and then I just keep seeing like these motifs of sports and now this idea of like you collecting pictures of your friends and like their tiny sports uniforms How, like, what's your relationship with games and sports and how does that factor into your practice? So that, I, factors in for me as, like, um, 
I always talk about it as this weird, especially like juvenile preteen sports. I played a lot of sports as a child and I always like hated them, but always had an amazing time. It was like this really weird intersection of like, I hated it. I hated it so, 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 so much. But then, like, there are the most tender moments of my childhood are, like, mm. in those, in in the same, in the same period. So, like, there are, like, I loved my team. I, but then it's also, like, there's bullying. And then there's also, like, I loved, I loved playing the game, but I wasn't super fit. I was actually kind of, like, probably one of the worst athletes on the team. And, <laughs> like... <laughs> It's just, like, such a, again, like, this, like, really tender kind of sore, bittersweet portrait of youth is, like, sports. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. Like, my best friend in elementary school was on every single sports team, and she'd make me mm-hmm. try out with her so that she didn't, like, go alone to the tryouts, but I fully never made any of the teams. <laughs> yeah, and there's, like... I loved playing, I played basketball and I swam Mm -hmm. and both of those are like some of the most beautiful kids. How am I going to say this? That doesn't sound weird. Some of the most beautiful athletes in the world are like these super beautiful, strong, like Mm -hmm. some of the prettiest, most popular girls always played these sports. And so you've got this like weird range of like popularity on the team as well. And you've got like this blending of like middle school cliques where like some of the kids were like super nerdy and some of the kids were super unathletic and 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 also nerdy and then some of the kids were like the coolest kids in school Mm. and I was friends with all of them but now it's like I don't know I remember there was one there was one year where like I got cut from the team and I was like so crushed and like I remember like having this pep talk with my dad where he was like you know what like this coach like he knew he was going to cut you he had already decided before before you even tried out and this doesn't mean anything like he's just an asshole and then they were short girls so they asked me to come back and I went back oh no (laughs) like oh just like so many like Ah, like painful, painful memories as like that I think created me as like who I am today is like neurotic, nervous wreck most of the time. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, I loved it. I loved it so much. I don't know. Well, you wouldn't have stayed if you didn't love it, right? Exactly. Why did I go back? <laughs> so for you, it's more about like the social aspects and like the objects necessarily? Um. I think it's about all of it. I think it's about, like, I think for me, the reason I'm interested in it in general and, like, also the reason I was collecting all of those pictures of my friends as children in sports was, like, it, it's it's about, I think then it was about a feeling, but then I also like to use objects and kind of the comparison of sports to, like, choreography and dance as, like, another weird as like kind of an artistic, how am I trying to say this? Uh, Like, I think they go hand in hand, I guess. It's like, for me, I was, I began to be interested as socially, but I also like to think about it as an artistic, like I love looking at shapes and forms of 
the of the basketball or the soccer ball or the the uniforms and thinking about them as like artistic garments and stuff too. Um, yeah, there's such I don't know. easily recognizable symbols. And like as kids, mm-hmm. I remember like learning how to draw a basketball, like learning how to draw a soccer ball. And like once you nail mm-hmm. that, like you're an artist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, have you ever seen, there's like a really, really good Mike Alexier piece where he got, gets a bunch of people to draw what they like a soccer ball yeah and the soccer ball is like notoriously difficult to draw because you're like wait a second I don't remember how to make this and I guess in his context it's more about like uh, like learning and like infographics I feel like that's like I don't know his whole thing but like that is like one of my favorite things in the world because like it's like yeah like this soccer ball is it's so emblematic but that's like so why is it so, so hard to draw hard. it's just like a perfect metaphor for like for for me at least for what I'm thinking about when I think about sports mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this like difficult relationship this week's podcast recommendation is the first episode of crackdown called war correspondence Garth Mullins is Crackdown's host and executive producer. This episode's description reads, Drug users are the experts. We survived. We know policy better than policymakers. We know law better than lawmakers. We know pharmaceuticals better than pharmacists. We know nobody's coming to save us. So we gotta save ourselves. Follow them on Twitter at CrackdownPod. Yeah, and having to work hard at something, I feel like sports is kind of like art. You have to have this, like, sustained practice, and, like, there's weird off-seasons and, like, on-seasons. I I don't like it. Yeah, Yeah, and I'm not someone who keeps up with current sports, like, really either, which I think probably maybe people are, maybe that's a little weird that I don't really care about, like, basketball now. (laughs) Well, if you're coming out of, like, like, nostalgia, I think that's fine. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like one, now that I think about it, I think a lot of it is kind of like an image based thing too. Like I love to think about, um, I remember once in a critique, somebody was talking about how like sports are kind of almost choreographed in like the art of designing like a play mm-hmm. for like your offensive, your offense or whatever is like so close to dance and art. And I think that's really, I love, I loved when I learned or started to think about it that way. Yeah, you should talk to some dance people and like get their sports pictures from when they were kids too. I feel like that would be good. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And then you get back to this idea of like dressing up Mm -hmm. and like the whole idea of like the sports world and all of like the pageantry and like regalia and like mascots and face paint is just like it makes so much sense but then it's also like so macho (laughs) oh it's so macho Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I listened to a really good podcast recently about um I don't know if you ever listened to the podcast you're wrong about do you know that one no you would probably really like that one it's like it's these two like kind of writer slash academics and they just talk about like pop culture events that have been remembered. But then they released an episode that was like a sister podcast or something. It was like one of the guys, this isn't really that important, but like (laughs) one of the guys from you're wrong about did an episode with, I can't remember who her name was, but 
um, fit tests in the United States and like the origin of them and like how they were like designed to be this like super like they were designed to just like measure like how kids were at fitness and stuff and then they become this like humiliating yeah. like I guess I'm in this context we'd be talking about like the beep test or something the beep test. Yeah, there was also, like, yeah. and it's like it just becomes this like humiliating excruciating like it was the worst day of my life like yeah. I was the last kid it was just like so awful but they were talking about kind of the history of like the introduction of that kind of test mm. and how it started as this like health initiative and then just became this kind of like weird moral panic about fitness (laughs) yeah super weird and like grounded in a lot of like fat phobia I think too totally yeah totally fitness so strange I know so weird but yeah that's another side of like sports that I think I'm totally not interested in the fitness aspect I'm interested (laughs) in like the like Carrie locker room scene where she like gets her period for the first time you know like the kind of like behind the scenes of the sports for sure Sharon Lockhart and she does this she has this amazing sports video that's like one of my favorite videos of all time <laughs> Sharon Lockhart I think hmm I don't know her work but what is the video she has a video called um Gosha Goaka I don't probably not pronouncing that entirely correctly but it's just a video of um this japanese girls basketball team Mm -hmm. and they're just going through their exercises and it's like super regimented and like very like they're just jogging around the gym and the camera is just like a single static shot and it's just the girls kind of like going back and forth across the gym and it's like super rhythmic and Mm. beautiful and like very like it almost creates like a um music right like Mm -hmm. the squeaks of the shoes and the beat of the feet uh trudging across the floor it's so 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 pretty and then and then it also is like I don't know it's just that again for me it's like that total capture of like because it's like a young girls team this like beautiful like time in your life where you're you don't know your body at all (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I would describe that as a beautiful time in my life, but we can run with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I say beautiful, I don't mean like, it definitely doesn't feel good, but Mm -hmm. like in hindsight, it's like this kind of like beautiful, tragic, like awkwardness where you're like finding yourself and you don't know who you are. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I find that's really lost now with like Gen Z because they don't have like an awkward phase because they've been watching, like, beauty mm-hmm. tutorial videos since, like, they were five. Mm-hmm. It's very rude. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of TikToks that are, like, me when I was 15-year-olds now versus me when I was 15. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> it's true. But that's, like, a whole other thing But like, society's sexualization of literally children. I know. Yeah, it's... It's concerning, and also I think we're asking people to grow up a lot quicker. Um, totally. Like, I mean, the political climate asks, forces people to grow up quicker, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, entering institutions, it's just, like, like leaving high school and entering institutions and, like that's not free and you have to pay for it or you have to apply for it in, like, a specific way. Kind of, like, exit 
the public. Yeah, and when you're 17, you have to do that. So scary. Yeah. And I, I'm I'm someone who went straight into school. I didn't take, like, a break. And as, like, a 17, 18-year-old, I, like, was so, so bad at everything. Was so bad. And I remember, like, I, I think I, like, got, like, because I went straight into studio art at Guelph, too. I think I got, like, 50s in my first three studio classes because oh, no. I was just, like, I didn't care. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But then you meet you meet the right people who like push you towards, I guess not push you, but like kind of light a fire. It, at least for me, I was like, oh, I can do art that's not painting or drawing, which is what I thought yeah. it was going to be the whole time. What what was that moment for you? Do you remember when you figured out you could have like a practice that was a bit different from what you had imagined? I think I remember having like a really hard time in print yeah. the first time. And print is something that I have also grown. That's like one of my main things now, mm-hmm. like is, is print and litho and screen. I love, love it so much. But I remember like just feeling like so defeated and seeing all these people who could just draw so much better than me and paint so much better than me and like realize what they wanted to realize so much better than me. Mm-hmm. I took extended with Dave And he just showed us so much stuff that was like nothing I had ever seen before. Mm -hmm. But that was definitely like, it was, it was an in-school moment. It wasn't like a, it was definitely like a teacher showed me. Oh yeah. Like I think um, Christian showed us this like Will Wegman video and I, me and Christian were the only two people laughing in like that whole auditorium. Yeah, it's so sad. The red carpeted stairs. Yeah, so like I lost my mind and was like, this is what I want to do forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. But I think like part of being in school is like being around older artists and like having these mentorships like happen. When yeah, you don't really get to choose. You just kind of like start to idolize someone. <laughs> yeah, and then once you like exit, then you realize like your peers, you know, and it becomes yeah different but how have you been outside of school like where are you getting that kind of like mentorship and and support from I guess right now I mean it's it's difficult through quarantine I had a studio space in Kitchener which we're now not I'm now not really using because of COVID yeah but I think for me like my process with art this whole past year and a half or whatever that I've been out of school has been like, um, how do I put this academically or non-academically to de-academize, like to make, to like, just make art without having to think intellectually about it. Just that has been like something that I've really, really been trying hard to do. And not because I like want to totally reject um, the academics or the, um, research side of things, but because that is something that like stopped me from making a lot of things that I wanted to make, like Mm -hmm. this constant battle that Jonah and I had when we shared a studio was I'd be like, Oh, I really, really wish I could paint. And he'd be like, Emily, paint, you can paint, you can just do it. And I'd be like, no, I, I really, I can't because I don't have the background or information or I don't know the contemporary context of painting in 2019 like it was like 
thing that I just like couldn't couldn't get over. I mean, it's like everybody has imposter syndrome, but like I feel like I invented imposter syndrome. <laughs> I am the queen of imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. No, yeah. I think that painting, um, like I definitely said that to a different professors, like um, be, also I have like a Catholic upbringing, right? So painting for me is like very oh, yeah. spiritual Same. and like transcendental. So I would say like you're bringing into the world like these images like made of like layers and like paint itself has its own meaning. And my profs would just like roll their eyes at me because I don't think that's how painters see painting, but that's how people who are scared yeah. of painting see painting. <laughs> Yeah, totally. I Yeah. And do you want to talk a bit about your Halloween costume? Because I feel like that was like the art that I saw and I was like, this is amazing. And artists do like a specific kind of yeah. like, DIY home costume that I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about your Halloween costume too after I talk about mine. But um, <laughs> I feel like ours kind of like clicked together in a good way. Yeah. Um, I was Hildegard von Bingen the high medieval nun slash artist slash I feel like people think she was like a savant she like god spoke to her kind of in the same way as like a Joan of Arc style like uh, legend I think Mm -hmm. where she wrote a lot of music composed a lot of music did a lot of like crazy paintings like she has this like huge mandorla painting that just like is like a giant vagina <laughs> that's like gold and blue. Amazing. And so I dressed as her. And that's another kind of thing where like I feel like my love of like dressing up and on the kind of artistic side of my practice, I like that kind of stuff. And then I'm also like connecting it back to things that I'm just generally interested in. <laughs> uh, like the medieval times. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I just had a lot of fun. It's like Halloween has been something, it's something that I always do. Um, I think specifically for me, um, and Tristan, my partner, like the medieval area era, because he's, uh, an art historian, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we love talking about medieval stuff because like, it's so stupid all the time. And people look to them as like this, crazy like this authority I guess yeah and like real people who study medieval studies are like no like this is like <laughs> these people were insane it's, it's all <laughs> they were just jokes. like high all the time yeah <laughs> and like the drawings like there's so I'm in this really really good Facebook group called the internet but we pretend it's 1453 <laughs> and so people just like post stupid medieval memes because it's just like it's so good it's like it's like I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like just stupid meme stuff, but I love it. Also like the medieval times was considered like trash in like European history. Like nothing happened and everyone was miserable, but like we always talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, then you get to like shit, like, Oh, like medieval movies, like movies that are set in the medieval times are always all also so campy and crazy. <laughs> and like the costumes are insane. It's like, Literally men in tights, like Robin Hood men in tights. So it's like, good. I just think it's of so Monty it's so Python, gay. Like him with like the coconuts, like going through the woods, like pretending. Oh to ride yeah, a horse. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Totally, and that's it's like, 
it's like a perfect like mesh in like at least the way I think about it it's like totally ironic it's like steeped in so many levels of irony Mm -hmm, but like mm -hmm. the art is so fun and the drawings are so stupid in this weird illustrative style that's actually kind of like really popular today in this like kind of pared down like really really flat way of drawing things which I love yeah and then the drawings are exaggerated and crazy because people have never seen certain things in real life before like there's mm -hmm. those weird drawings of like medieval men fighting snails all the time or whatever I think I saw like a Vox video about that oh my gosh (laughs) now I'm just thinking about people fighting snails but yeah no those so good those wood blocks I feel like are very much becoming popularized now and that's funny because it ties back to like your printing process (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and all that stuff like even the illuminated manuscripts I made a zine maybe like a year ago called medieval life, which was just like a bunch of stupid, I think I just gave it away for free at an art opening and I didn't really post it anywhere, but it was just a bunch of stupid drawings that were just like jokes about medieval life. But then I kind of drew them in like a combination of my style. Um, but like also in this kind of like Byzantine weird mm. style. I'm probably mixing all of these periods up. I really don't know that you know much what? about you might as medieval well. times. No one else knows either. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Nobody else really freaking knows. Um, but yeah, I mean, the zine and like in it, I had like, it's funny because I, I feel like I'm scribing all of these like weird, funny little inside jokes that are just for me, but I get to make them all like, I get to draw in the margins and have all of this really fun marginalia, which is like, which was really a huge thing at the time. And that's like a huge part of medieval history is like medieval illuminated manuscripts. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just like super flamboyant and great and colorful and dumb. I love things that are dumb. Yes. (laughs) I love dumb humor so good and it's relatable and accessible and you don't have to like you can laugh for days at something really stupid and you don't have to think too oh hard yeah about it. <laughs> totally totally awesome and I think like it's like me it's like memes too like I think humor has always been a thing about, like everything that I make is funny somehow yeah and I think it all comes back to like yeah like dumb humor and then what do we use humor for, right? Like, what are we trying to, this is like a big, a big question, but like we use humor for what? Like we use it to make ourselves feel better about things, to process things, to help us understand the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And to like, I see it as um, like my role specifically. And like, of course, every artist has like their own understanding, but I try to put stuff out into the world that makes people laugh because I, I tend to be like negative and, and very critical of the art world. So I want my art to like bring some levity and like give like a yeah. break. Damn. I totally, yeah, I totally agree with that. I do. I feel like I, I do it for a similar, similar reasons. Like in real life, I'm pretty, pretty freaking cynical, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But what were, okay. I want to hear about your Halloween costume too. Yeah, so did you, rec- I did Mary Magdalene, and, like, usually she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's painted yeah, I got in, it. in red, um, versus, like, 
uh, when I grew up like learning about Catholicism, you hear the same stories throughout the calendar year because that's how it's like laid out. I think most religions do the same thing. Like every week, it's a different story. Yeah. Um, so I always learned about like good Mary being like dressed in blue and then like bad Mary who is like a prostitute and dressed in red. So it's like this mm-hmm. weird idea of like two Marys and I love the idea of like meshing them up as like a mother slut dynamic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also like they have the that. same name. So like you can be Mary and you can be good and you can be bad. So I really loved like dressing up as her and like being like, sexy about it and like giving her a yeah. halo and being like fuck you this is good mary <laughs> yeah 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 she's really good you gave her a little halo love that i always i always thought of um mary magdalene in my like I'm, i was like catholic but we only really went to church on uh sundays and well i guess that's when most people go to church but we would really only go around like christmas time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then my my dad is mennonite so it's kind of like I was like, I did these Catholic things, but then I'm also like, Mm. I like the Mennonite side of things too. It's like really weird, weird traditions. Um, But I was always like, I always thought of Mary Magdalene as like, Jesus is, she's just like his girlfriend. Oh, (laughs) that's so funny. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Hopping the Fence a podcast dedicated to the fringes of the Canadian art scene. If you have an artist you would like to hear interviewed, would like to correct slash fact check a past episode, or would like to chat, feel free to send me a message on Instagram at hoppingthefence or by email at rebeccaecasolino at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast and help me avoid burnout, please visit our Patreon to subscribe. Check out the show notes for more details. If you can't donate, no worries. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Original artwork for Hopping the Fence by Alex Gregory. Original music by Jessica Price Eisner. Thanks so much. Bye.